Hey, party people, have you joined our Discord server yet? You can meet fellow party people and interact with our cast and crew to talk about all things Encounter Party, both this first Ravnica campaign and our new campaign, which is a television show available on the Dungeons & Dragons Adventures channel. To learn more, head on over to our website at EncounterParty.com or check the links in the show notes. Now, enjoy this episode of Campaign 1 of Encounter Party. Warning, our show features very strong language and graphic depictions of violence, so listener discretion is advised. Last time on Encounter Party. Our players came to the Undercity to find it completely abandoned. It appears the capital of Karosta is overwhelmed by the Crawl, and the seat of Devkar in power is all but abandoned. Has the corruption truly spread so far? And how much is Lorzach to blame with his absence? Find out this week on Encounter Party! you guys those of you who are waiting outside in the swarm with bugs like on your windshield <laughs> stuck all over the place you can see your companions coming out of the temple i'm so tired of bugs can we leave now <laughs> nothing ever prevented you from taking a step backward out of it she turns around so lauren's like sitting on a rock just chilling <laughs> <laughs> You were a step and a half in you could have just <laughs> taken a step out so Lauren's there like, hello. <laughs> I rolled a two in my intelligence check, so. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Um, so you see uh, you see the three other people in your party exiting, being led by <laughs> like a half dozen <laughs> hopping giant crickets. These things can probably leap like a solid 10 feet per pounce, too, so they take a little effort to. I mean, one in. Golgari territory. <laughs> do as the Golgari do. Lorzach leads the way and fills in these people, brushing a few spare locusts off of them as they travel. Can Salorin hear yet? He cannot hear as long as he is uh, within range of the swarm. So okay. once you leave the area, he will regain his hearing. Copy. It is a proximity deafness, not a, an injury deafness. Ooh, thank you. The guild leader is missing. My people are either corrupted or in hiding. The crawl have possessed Penvar and turned it into a hive. And Gerard's counselor Thrinvash is in hiding somewhere. He might know where Darath is. We have to find him first. So not good. Very much not. As they follow Lorzach, uh, Zenia asks, Lorzach, who is Jura? Jura is my mother. She was the handmaiden to the last Matka. Was as in? I don't know. Oh. Azoni has never heard her name. She is obviously not here. The appointing of Azoni is um, very confusing. Um, Lorzach would definitely have some extended knowledge about the previous Matka, as his mother was ingrained in there. So the idea that no one is there and somebody he doesn't know is currently the Modka is uh, is a very confusing thing. Could have been an emergency appointment because of, you know, the conditions that were happening. Um, but it 
what you have what you have gathered information wise right now is not only is the swarm severely fractured different fractions seem to be doing vastly different things and as far as the elves are concerned many of them are in hiding but also many if not more have abandoned the area we can only act upon what is not what was where to Lorzach? to Thrinvash you progress down the winding maze that is the area surrounding Karosta by this point those of you who are not Golgari are beyond disoriented Things curve to the left, things curve to the right, down, up. Everything looks the same, and yet everything looks new, as if your brain has to accumulate new information every odd step. Lorzach at least knows that you're heading somewhere southeast-ish, right? In a way that very, very shortly you're probably slightly outside what would be considered the 10th district, you're kind of moving about as far away from Corozda as you can without completely abandoning access to Corozda, if that sort of proximity makes some sense. Um, let's get some perception checks from people. Nat 20. Nat 20. 8. 13. 22. I would say it's a combination of several things. Lorzach, you live here. Perix, you sense the biome is different. And Fakara, your soldier training, all say sentries immediately up ahead. Perix will quickly and quietly relay that to the people who didn't make that roll. Yeah, because Zenny at this point, her eyes aren't even forward. She's just looking all around her, taking everything in. So, so. Perix is like... <laughs> but also probably also probably still completely wrapped up cuz she cuz she has like she has the the earmuffs to protect against the thunderclap and the goggles to protect against the lightning but now she's like wrapped up in the face mm-hmm. so she's just like completely bundled up and like wow this is so awesome <laughs> yeah so Lauren is completely out of his element it's like you're bringing a hammer to do a scalpel's job he's just un- unsure to be fair, anything outside of like a lounge is out of your element. You have a very, very <laughs> small, specific, applicable <laughs> element. Lorzach will call out in Defkar and Elvish. We mean you no harm and hope you will do none to us. You don't hear a response, and you don't hear anyone rushing to you, but you do hear several people prepare their weapons. They're not rushing to come get you, but they look like they're aware you're there now. Quietly, Perix will ask Lorzach, is the Matka someone that, generally speaking, the Golgari trust at large? Would saying we come from her be helpful? Unless they wear the knot flesh. Well, they're going to fight us either way, if so. And Lorzach will convey that we've been granted passage by the Matka, Izoni. If you will let us pass... We will not interfere. Rabbit crickets go popping off ahead. You hear in very aggressive Devkarin from around the corner demanding that you guys present yourself very, very slowly. <laughs> Keeping an eye on the crickets that are fast sort of bounding ahead <laughs> as they've been ordered to do so. You see the crickets bound like, 
as you guys sort of come, I'm assuming you're, you got you guys are going to kind of sort of like, hey, yeah, he's not brandishing any weapons. Nope. He, has, he has to he has to use his walking stick. Yeah, I mean, I've got a staff of, with a fish on it, but I'm not making it threatening. Coming out as nonviolently as possible, your rabbit crickets bound away from you. You see about like half a dozen Golgari warriors with swords and spears at the ready in front of the mouth of this sort of like bored in cave and the rabbit crickets just go running in, into the cave unhindered. They don't stop them. They don't do anything. They just sort of go. Mm. And then in pure dev Karin, they demand that you announce who you are, what the fuck you're doing there. And who are these clowns? <laughs> They're like, who are you? What are you here? Uh-huh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't know the circus wasn't down. Had a long day. This is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Was not expecting that furry thing. And Lorzach, being the only one that speaks to Karin Elvish. (laughs) My name is Lorzach. We are here to see Thrinvash. We were told by the Matka Zoni that he is here. These are my traveling companions. They follow my lead and my wisdom. This is Perix, Xenia, Siloran. And Fikara, he says, gesturing to each in turn, and you can at least recognize your own names, even in Devkarin. I will have to translate for them as I am the only one that speaks our tongue. After a brief moment, you see an older, rather distinct, if not weary, Devkarin elf just sort of breach the portal, and the little rabbit crickets are sort of bounding around his feet, and he steps out and looks at you. And then just sort of gestures for you to come back inside without saying anything and invites you in. And Lorzach follows. Mm-hmm. All of you, you're, you're all you're all being invited in. And you get... Um, Herrick's is very wary of them, given that he was at war with Golgari not so long ago and the, did not like their weapons. Uh, yeah, the, the walk-in through these guys who are guarding the outside is, is, is super tense. Inside, you find what at best could be described as a rebellion base camp, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, it's bare bones. It's people trying to manage resources. I mean, it's you're in the Undercity and they're the Golgari, right? Finding food probably isn't the problem, but they're counting weapons. It looks like they're dealing with a fuckload, and it, it's, it's very, very clear that... Whatever happened in here is a small contingency of Devkarin elves who um, are doing their best to stay organized because they don't specifically have a goal. So, amongst this uh, ragtag band of Devkarin, you see an older-looking elf who carries himself with a great deal of dignity and um, has commanded the room and is likely Thrinvash, one of the main council to uh, Gerard, the guildmaster of the Golgari. He's like listening to you, thumbing through some papers. I don't know what they're doing. Again, it seems more like if they can stay organized and cleaned up, that maybe it looks like they're actually doing something, even though there really is just sort of a lost air about the room. Thank you for receiving us. My name is Lozach Rotspeaker. I've been four months away and returned to find a very different world from the one that I left behind. Azoni is now Matka. Gerard is missing. Our people have either been corrupted by Deorath or are in hiding. What happened? You've only just returned. 
Only a few hours ago. In the company of these people? Yes. The four of you? Wait here. You come with me. And Lord Zatch follows. No, Paris does not like this. Oh, thank God there's no bugs. There are bugs everywhere. Parrick says. <laughs> 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 and and Fakara develops a new phobia. <laughs> Minus two versus insects. <laughs> um, Andrew, you get led into a back room. As soon as you step into the back room, Thryn Vosh closes the door behind you, and you notice two Devkarin soldiers standing guard over a third Devkarin on their knees, bound in rope, tied up, who already looks like they've been beaten and abused. And Thryn Vosh pulls out his own sword, hands it to you, and very coldly demands, Kill this one. And you get a sense the longer it takes you to make a move, the worse it is for you. Lorzach flips the blade around in a reverse grip and centers the point of the blade right around the sixth cervical vertebra and piths him in and out real quick. Lethally? Yeah. Thrinvash opens the door and ushers you back out to the room. He hands the blade back to Thrinvash. He takes it from you. So you come back out. There is a there is a small table of, I don't know, probably semi-rotted wood for flavor. And um, the rest of you are kind of hanging out. Thrinvash kind of ushers the five of you around the table and seems to be willing to address, but also make himself available for questions and just says, what is this that you've been mentioning about corruption? Izoni described it to us as not flesh. I suppose it's good to see that Izoni has survived. That betrayer that you just dispatched for me is one that we suspect to be a spy for whatever. Traitors have abandoned us here. As far as corruption, I must confess that my relationship with the Motka has not always been perhaps faithful to our kind. I am at the beck and whim of Gerard. I am not up to date on such things. I have simply been here trying to figure out why all of the non-elves have abandoned us, and why so many of our kind have abandoned us as well. We've seen it take shape topside. To our eyes, it will resemble a black slime mold, one that moves of its own free will. If you've ever seen a Vesper Blade infection, with its veins creeping through the cranium of the ones it infects, sprouting out the back of the cranium, it's very similar, and yet it takes root everywhere. Of all the fellow Swarm members that I've had to battle in the last three months, I've not seen anything that you've been discussing. We have been battling primarily teratogens. I suspected that perhaps they were the main cause of most of our kin's deaths or disappearances, but as far as Devkarin uprising against each other, that is simply not something that has happened. We've just had a mass exodus of traitors and cowards. I understand that this sounds very confusing. So let me please provide you with some context. And Lorzach will relate, in full, the conspiracy to which Deirath is aligned and how their goal 
is to contact a monster from beyond this world, something that Lorzach himself would scarcely believe if he had not personally seen it. And he describes the notes that he's found in his adventures that describe Deirath, a lich in the service of the Golgari swarm, who has apparently betrayed his own kind in order to profit from the machinations of Merit Lage. Do you disclose everything you found in Malphus Reed's secret laboratory? Because that had some stuff back there that had Golgari correspondence and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are several topics to touch on. Um, he says, first, we have been on the defensive for some time now, so... Pardon my ignorance, however, I am essentially the left hand of Gerard. I don't know anyone by the name of Deirath. Izoni did not recognize his name either. It's possible that this is a pseudonym of some sort, a pen name, under which he conducts business with the above-ground people. If he claims to be a lich, it is highly unlikely that it is anyone masquerading as a Golgari. Not many people know how to follow through on that declaration. However, I am quite familiar with almost everyone of authority here. I know the necromancers well, and I certainly have never heard of the name Deirath. It's a very old name, a very ancient name, and I pity the poor boy whose parents named them so. As for the correspondences, when it comes to the man named as Malthus Reed, yes, I have met him. I was his main go-between, between him and Gerard. What did Gerard want with Malthus Reed? It was the other way around, actually. Malthus Reed approached us about building this transportation system. Gerard was very resistant to the idea. It wasn't until the other branches began making so much progress that he was finally convinced that if we did not cast our lot in the race, that the Undercity would have been closed off forever. And the Golgari, already oppressed as we are, may have lost any negotiating power if our distribution networks were suddenly void. That is a very elaborate conversation that we can determine as soon as Andrew wants to focus on which priority. Following the organic nature of conversation, Lorzach will seize upon the idea that Gerard himself agreed to this and ask, To who did Gerard delegate this task? The building of an underground rail line. As I was his main counsel, most of that negotiation and appropriation was actually my duty before I turned into this pseudo-officer. And who did you trust? To handle the building of the rail line. Um, he got the same spiel that Malthus looked to have been giving everyone else to convince them as to why anyone would be like, your is it? Why do you want this? From our understanding, Malthus Reed was fairly convinced that the is it were going to lose to the Boros line as it was under the support of the Azorius. So he came to us offering to help with our research and our resource accumulation for building the line with a stake in it. We got into the race halfway behind and we started overtaking everyone thanks to the help of Malthus Reed. 
As I said, Gerard was very resistant to the beginning until enough evidence was proved that if we did not make an effort towards it, we would have been left far behind. We suspected that perhaps he was just a greedy, is it scientist looking to make some profit from whatever gizmo he's trying to make up there, and... It was Gerard's order that we were attempting to exploit him if he was going to be so stupid and give us things. Then its construction was directed primarily by you. Under the administration of Malthus Reed, yes. Malthus Reed gave you instructions on where to build? Yes. Does that have something to do with Gerard's disappearance? With all of this? It might. If he understood the plan and where the rail lines were to be built, Malfus Reed may have had a vested interest in making sure that our guild leader disappeared. You have not been in contact with him? We can't even investigate the site of his disappearance. I don't know if you've been to the Hive yet. I'm told that Penvar has been transformed. Yes, the Kral have wasted no time seizing on our weakness. We have no idea if he's even in there anymore. When did he disappear? About somewhere between six to eight weeks ago. So about the time that we were where? That's a good question. It might have been right when you guys were up in the rubble belt is where I think that I sounds had right. planned that. Yeah. That sounds like what I would have planned cool. to make it while you guys were as far away as possible. Okay. As for this Dayreth character, I've never heard of the man. Stranger that the conspiracy would refer to one with the mastery of lichdom, and yet someone who is a complete stranger to the most well-connected people within our guild. As I said, it sounds like a very, very old Devkarin word. So, hypothetically, liches are immortal? That's the idea? So we're talking about potentially a lich who's been around a bit? So it sounds to me right, at the table. Yeah. Like, there are a couple of avenues we're going to need to explore down here. One, we're going to have to talk about the fact of, like, why the fuck the Golgari kind of collapsed. Uh, two, we're going to have to talk about, like, where the hell is Gerard? And three, we're going to have to talk about, like, who is Deoreth? Uh, But it sounds like the thread we can pull right now is trying to figure out what happened to Gerard because that seems like it would it would apply to the first thing of where did everyone go and would almost certainly lead us into places that would have that kind of information about Dayareth. Do I feel off there? You're you're I think you're on to it. It's like they're all interconnected. Right. By following one, we're going to get a bunch of the others. It just so feels like yeah. Gerard's the one we can follow because it's a person people have heard of that if we find people, they might be able to point us. Have you been in contact with any other settlements, any others holding out against the Teratogen soldiers? We've barely been engaging. I'm not a soldier. I just carry a sword. You said there was a betrayer. What did the spy want? Who were they reporting to? Unfortunately, you get the suspicion that it might have been just pure speculation, as he had none of the knowledge you were bringing. Not to say it was good or bad, not saying I tried to trick you into doing something inappropriate, but these guys are not soldiers. These, There's no active sentry. I mean, it's not that they aren't fighters, but, you know, standing military within the Golgari under Gerard is not really an active responsibility, at least not within the Devkarin. 
there's much more of an exploitation of the crawl and that sort of thing. So you have this ragtag group of guys, and even even as you came in, there is this, um, there's something that's not being said here, and it isn't necessarily because he's hiding something. All that information that you just unloaded upon him, that Thrinvash is now, you can see him recoiling in his own mind, whether or not things are you may have just dumped something on him that means that he did a bunch of questionable stuff. And he seems to be trying to hammer home that, like, they're not engaging in, like, a guerrilla campaign or anything like that. He's a he's a councilman, right? Yeah. He deals with paperwork and and stuff like that. You know, he, he signs papers and stamps stamps and, and is a go-between envoy. So... You know, they are completely lost militarily here. And I think he's going to kind of bow out a little bit on a thing. You can see him kind of backpedal and say, the only one of us who's still active out there is Gerard's son, Mixel. He's only half Golgari, but he has assumed the role of the head hunter. And he is still out there foraging and fighting, and he's all by himself. If you can find him, he's probably the best person to help you move forward. Sir. Yes. Is there any way I could help you fortify defenses? I know a bit of military. Yes. Um, I'm going to let you choose what that would be good with. Either, I don't know, intelligence, performance. I like performance. I think performance is the best one. Okay. That will be a 26. Yeah, great. So you take a hot minute walking over some of these things and be like, um, pointy end goes that way. <laughs> and <laughs> stand up straight, son. Um, yeah, take advantage. Get some, get some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, okay. use the ability. Oh, oh, sorry. Have inspiration. Oh, thank Have you. Have inspiration. Um, yeah, great. Excellent. They, they they really feel like they're like, oh, God. Oh, God. There is, be- there is a... Not to say that the Goli have, Golgari have been demilitarized, but they we they were crushed, they were betrayed, they imploded, and then their current guild leader has been trying to rebuild for a long time. They kind of just keep getting stepped on. So this idea that they have an elite military unit standing just ain't really the thing. And even if they did, it's not these guys. It's actually a different group of people and nobody knows where they are right now. Right, right. And if they're in trouble, there's no reason why Right. I wouldn't help. No, great. Good. So something that I've been sort of following mm-hmm. in anticipation of getting down here, uh, given that my entire aspect of my own guild was under assault from the Golgari. And then as we went through season one, we discovered that someone... Uh, was giving orders, we assumed Deareth based on the conversation with Ludmila, but we also know that those assaults were based on trying, we thought, trying to clear space to continue the Golgari line. So the question Perix would have is, was Thrinvash directing those attacks? Did he know about those attacks? And if he wasn't directing them, who was? I had no standing orders from Gerard to make any attacks on any other guild, especially not the Simic. Anyone attacking you was not under my order. And he seems 
pretty insulted that you would suggest he would even waste his time. My question is more about, did he know there were assaults, or did no. I just give him new information? You just gave him new information. Great. Uh, a reminder back in that day is that you learned that that stuff was sort of being run by a troll, and the crawl, and the one of the trolls you encountered had mentioned a hatred of the Devkarim, and some things were happening, and but then the, the insinuation was also that Ludmila was kind of controlling that particular... But the, the the troll and even the crawl that we helped all said that, like, you always give orders to Lorzach, meaning the elves. So I assumed that the, the troll was still taking orders from someone in Karozda. Column A, column B. Great. We have very well illustrated that there is dissension and unrest within the swarm. Copy. Would you have any idea where Mixel would be? I hesitate to suggest it but your starting point might be the bottom of the dead bridge. It seems to be perhaps the easiest hunting ground without running into the risk of any of our current enemies. A final question. A name so ancient, where might it have originated? I mean, he suggests it sounds Golgari, but it'd be like naming your kid Xerxes. Yeah, right. Right? So wherever it originated from was... Somewhere. He he uh, suggests that perhaps finding some expert on information is going to be better than him. He may be the guy behind the desk, but he's not the bookkeeper. Then it seems that Mixil is the person that we need to find. Off to the dead bridge. And now a quick word from one of our sponsors. You know, folks, blank walls can be pretty boring. So why not spruce up your home or office by heading over to ukiyopop.com. They have a collection of traditional Japanese prints inspired by today's comics, games, and movies. The gallery is viewable online for free and prints are available for purchase. So head over to ukiyopop.com. That's U-K-I-Y-O-P-O-P.com. Tradition in a modern method. And now, back to the party. You guys clamber your way back through the places you've been, surprisingly backtracking a little bit as you make your way to the entrance down into the Undercity, that fearfully dark and cold chasm that, even though it's underground, somehow still manages to produce air currents that feel like they could blow you off at any moment. And as you approach this impossibly deep ravine, it isn't until you look over the edge until you realize, oh shit, we gotta go down there. How far? Far. Got a zib? Oh, I'm assuming we're underground. It's a rock. (laughs) You wanna throw a rock? I'll throw a rock over the dead bridge. You do not hear it hit anything. Copy. You wanna throw a zib? Sure. You do not hear it hit anything. You well, are down one zip. That sucks. <laughs> Small victories on this side of the table. Take them where I can get them. Xenia, after seeing this experiment of Perix's, immediately conjures Frank just to feel a little bit of comfort. Can you, this how glowing, far can you This glowing it? humanoid just like hugs you in light. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell Frank to jump. Me too! Well, Dancing Lights has what range? 60 feet, right? I mean, I don't have that memorized. 120 feet. 
Thank you. Oh, well. Oh, we put that's some lights up 120 feet down, see what we can see. So, so Zenia turns to Frank and she points down and just says, you know, as far as you're able. And she pushes him over the edge. <laughs> he screams. It turns out Frank is sentient. <laughs> mother, mother, why? And like pushing, you know, she's really pushing air <clears throat> and the force of the air sends him down. And then she's just blowing him. About 80 feet down, you can see what looks to be a decent sized outcrop that you might be able to stand on. How many people do I think could fit on this outcrop? Uh, I would say three, two if one of them is Fakara. 80 feet down. I mean, we don't have enough rope, do we? I have 50 feet of rope. It is an underground cliff face. Climbing is plausible. Oh, okay. Man, this is the second time Featherfall would have really come in handy. I was thinking that too. I was like, God damn it. Should have taken Featherfall. Yeah, you don't have the Simic Patagia one, right? Nope. Yeah. Lorzatch isn't worried. He seems like extremely confident that he knows how to navigate this, but he's trying to crunch the numbers as to how to get the rest of you down there. Would that be an athletics check to climb down? Yes. Okay. Could it also be an acrobatics check? It specifically can't be. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, everyone tries that in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you know who's real bad at all of those? Terex. Oh. They're so slippery. To confirm, this outcropping can only hold three people. And only three people can go down? No, like, you know, you can only hold- keep going past the outcropping and then someone else comes down to the outcropping. Right. Keep in mind, you have a max movement speed. So... And climbing is half speed, right? Climbing is half speed. So it take us four rounds to get down? Mm-hmm. Are there stairs? So you're going to have to... You're going to have to hold on in between. Perix looks for an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> you are not... In the Is It League. <laughs> um, Xenia yells down to Frank and says, Hey, Frank, take a lap. And Frank does like a six foot circle around the ledge. No, I, Frank. <laughs> and he just throws his hands up like, it's What do you see? It's what I see. All right. So Lauren takes his magical rope and also the length of normal rope, speaks his command word, and says, Bind. So now the 60-foot length of silk magic rope is now binded to the 50-foot length of regular rope. He then says, not. And the magical side of that length of rope, knots, so that anyone who climbs down on it will have advantage on their climb checks. He then finds a good hold within the ground and says, a fix and the magic rope finds purchase and links into the ground. Uh, Lorzach watches Saloran construct this climbing apparatus out of rope and says, you, you, and you, indicating Saloran, Xenia, and Perix, climb down. You yes. are a spider. And he casts polymorph and turns you into a giant spider. You cannot talk as a spider. Oh, great move. Lorzach turns into a giant spider. And, and receives a 
point of inspiration. As a solid arachnophobe, I hate this. And uh, Lorzach scales Don't the cliff me. face down to the bottom at 40 feet per round. For those of you who are spiders, no longer have a problem, what are the other people doing? So, as a question. Yes. Um, athletics is strength or dex based? Strength. strength. And, okay, so we are, and advantage doesn't stack. So if I cast enhance ability on myself, it won't help more than the rope already has. Correct. Because uh, that was what I was going to do to try and survive this, because I have a negative one on strength. Um, how, how much do you weigh? Oh, uh, that's a pretty personal question. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly water. I mean, in. You about can't talk to your spider. If. If it's okay with Ned... Yeah, what up? I actually have, like, a plus seven to athletics, so I'm real good at climbing. I'm not sure that's true anymore as a spider. So she's saying, no, like, she's what if you turn me into a spider not make her the spider because she's, she's the strongest person. Plus, hey, she's military. She's got rope. Here's climb. why. Yeah. Okay. Only three people can fit on that platform, or two if it's, it's Vicara. Oh, that's okay. why I chose right, right. Vicara. Gotcha, oh. gotcha, gotcha. Or you could just go down in batches. Yeah, that was my thought. Batches? Like, some people go yeah. to the cropping, see what's going on, that, keep that, moving down at which point the next ledge. people go. Never said that was the bottom. If there was a way to make me a better climber, I would appreciate it. Now, what I can do is cast Enhance Ability on myself for decks with Cat's Grace, meaning if I make it 60 feet down, I don't take any damage if I fall. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That would be the way that I could try and buff myself in this situation. That is the funniest option. <laughs> <laughs> and also curse your adaptation choices for not taking the one that lets you climb. <laughs> sure, but I wasn't metagaming. I was right. playing Perix. Absolutely. He doesn't have to climb. No, I know. You made that choice a very long time ago. That's fine. <laughs> to be fair, Zenny is a worse climber than you. Really? Yeah. You have a worse strength than a... I sure do. She's also carrying a storm cloud in a glass case on her back. <laughs> so if she falls... <laughs> she accidentally destroys Ravnica. There's a thunderstorm in a cavern. What could happen? You know what, though? I mean, to Xenia... Cause of Doom could happen. <laughs> That's the thing. Xenia is so aware... So... Xenia, when she dies, wants it to be epic. So she's like, you know what? I can go down first because if I fall, at least it'll be exciting. That is not what I want to hear right now. My carrying capacity is 270 pounds. I currently have 139 pounds on me. I weigh 200 pounds. I also have advantage on athletic rolls. I don't know where so I came from. with this rope, if it negates an advantage roll, I would still have a roll of advantage. If that's if that scans to our impartial DM. And that, party people, is how you turn climbing down a rope into an entire episode. (laughs) (laughs) Climb the rope! So then, it makes sense if it's either Xenia or Perix. And if her strength is worse than mine, it should be Then it needs to be Xenia. Great. And Lorzech watches Saloran not together this rope, and something occurs to him, and he says, You, you, and you, indicating Saloran, Fakara, and Perex, you climb. You, singling out Xenia, are a spider. And he casts Polymorph and turns Xenia into a giant spider. And then he turns himself into a giant spider, and as an action, casts a Wild Shape to turn himself into a giant spider and begins scuttling down the cliff face. Okay. I hate this. <laughs> All right. Fakara, 
yeah. might be best for you to go last. Uh, okay. So, uh, I need athletics checks from those of you who aren't spiders. Those of you who are spiders will very quickly realize that getting down to that ledge is not actually the bottom. Hmm. However, around the point you can reach that ledge, I will take a perception check from the two of you who are spiders. Those of you who are climbing, give me some climbs, please. 21. 12. 20. I have given myself cat's grace in case I fall. Okay. 15. You have a rope. Yep. You're fine. We'll deal with you in a hot minute. Uh, Lorzetch, you can hear farther below into the chasm the sound of some conflict. Two things are fighting each other down there. Uh, He has dark vision. Can he see? How far is your dark vision? Well, as a spider, technically spiders only have blind sight up to 10 feet. So I don't think he can see anything. Sounds like a fight is going on there. Great. Unfortunately, David, what did we roll? Seven. Oh, dang. 80 feet? Falling damage isn't great. You take 22 bludgeoning damage. Hey, that's not too bad. As Siloran goes plummeting past you. So for those of you climbing down... Oh, wait, are you going down first? Yes. So, (laughs) Siloran says, I've got this. And then begins climbing down the rope, and everybody hesitantly goes after him until you hear, oh! And then Parix goes, I guess I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you do it, Saloran. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the rest of you are fine. Uh, I have made it down the rope. You have made it down the rope. You guys look down and, and see more blackness. Uh, and we no longer have dancing lights because Xenia's uh, a spider. Spiders, what do you want to do? Lorzach is going to creep into position to see what it is that's going on at the bottom of this chasm. Rolling stealth to get into a better position? Andrew, uh, I think when you get down there, you realize you don't need any stealth, because whatever's going on down there is is taking up way too much (laughs) attention. Um, You see a young man who looks to be fighting off two giant mortipedes, which are these devastating giant centipede-like creatures with these sort of big gaping teeth, uh, sort of like a, a terrifying, uh, you know, monster head with like an actual jowl rather than than just sort of mandibles. Um, and he's not he's not doing super hot. He, it looks like he's barely holding them off. And where is everyone else? Still up on a ledge. I've followed you this whole way, so I'm down there with you. Perix will cast Sending to Lorzatch's brain and say what's down there and how far. And he can respond. And Lorzatch, as a spider, will respond, Hunter fighting two mortipedes. <laughs> it's another 80 feet to the bottom and probably another 60 feet in front of you to where this fight is happening. Uh, I have 50 feet of rope, but can't you now... Th- well, we can't while Fakara is here. That's an interesting problem. If we affix your rope to the rope that I've made, that will be 150 feet total. Oh, 10 feet from the bottom. Yeah. I will uh, tie that knot, and then I will climb. Uh, Wait, Uh, I know, but I should go first. Literally, why? (laughs) Because if he falls again, he falls on you. Sure. This is... I can get out of the way. This is (laughs) Saloran's level. Not on a rope. Oh, God, Jesus, come on. (laughs) Ancestors, please... 
13. Uh, <laughs> the Obsidot is haunting me every step of the I way. I literally just wanted to give you guys a chance to use that magic rope. And he, he falls all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped halfway. <laughs> he just... Uh, ow. Uh, ow. <laughs> I need to borrow that dice again. Please. Oh god. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> what did I tell you, Soloran? You did it wrong. Oh, this one ain't so bad. This one ain't this one ain't so bad. Uh 16 points of bludgeoning damage. <laughs> I rolled I rolled a lot of ones and twos. Perix will now <laughs> climb. <laughs> I will touch myself for 16 points of healing. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, Perix rolls a 12. You have Cat's Grace, right? Yeah. Six. Oh. So you don't take any damage. Uh, well, here's the question. Yes. If what? I fall from less than 20 feet, I yes. take no damage. Okay. Did I make it any way down before I fall here? Or do, is, is, the, is the, the thing that I'm checking on only from the moment I grab the rope? So, yeah, here's, so here's how it works. You fall within the first fifteen feet. Got so we we so had to you, roll four times coming yeah. down. <laughs> every every time you go max max movement speed, you have to roll again to see whether or not you hang on. Oh, I understand. If you fall from an incrementation, you fall there. Sure. <laughs> Sarah, while I'm killing these other two characters, please successfully make some uh, climbs down. Sure. That'll be a twenty-four. Yeah, I need two more, please. That'll be a 21. Great. I need one more. That'll be a 24. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ned, you fall for 20 points of damage. Cool. As you guys are like, let's go for a climb. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and after a moment, Sarah just da, 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 <laughs> boot camps her way down this rope. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, I don't know what I've been told. Great, great, Climbing great, rope gets really old. Great way to start an encounter, everybody. Uh, Falling 160 feet. Watching the rest of his party uh, close distance, Lord Zatch <laughs> sheds his wild shape and ends the effects of polymorph on Xenia and closes with the mortipedes. That was such a nice way to say that. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, so every, everyone who's pick themselves off from splatter position uh, can now see that there is uh well actually no you need dark vision who has dark vision 120 feet hey 60 so feet those two guys well Perix, you can see what's going on the rest of you can hear that there's a battle going on about 60 feet off ahead of you Perix will inform them there's a guy and some mortipedes sending immediately conjures frank great sending frank out will illuminate things slightly does Frank require concentration? Because you guys now got to figure out oh. how you're going to keep the area lit for those of you who need to see. Yes. Yeah. It does require concentration? Up to one minute. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can do it if Lorzash doesn't mind me burning some stuff. It lights on fire. That's actually really important. As you land on the ground and turn back into your dev car in form... What is perhaps the one thing you expect to find covering the entirety of the floor of the bottom of the dead bridge? A whole bunch of dead bodies. You want to know what isn't there? Dead bodies? A single dead corpse. God damn. Shit. 
So there is literally nothing to burn down. There's no fungus fauna. There's no... The dead bridge is where the people of Ravnica dump the dead, and then the Golgari cultivate it and turn it into stuff. There should be tens of thousands of corpses down here, and there is not a single one. I'll give you a hot second to think about light and then roll initiative. Uh... I also have dancing lights, um, and I have fairy fire. Bats in either or because they both both require concentration, and when we kill the th- and it needs to be dancing lights then because once we kill it, even though we get advantage and it's very good, it goes away and it stops lighting stuff up. So. so I now retooled my character for a little bit more defense and a little bit more debuff to help people because I figured we're going to need that. Um, but I I now am sort of running into situations and probably casting mage armor to give me a bump, but I also now have fire shield which does cast 20 feet of light on me. I also have flame blade. Flame blade will do it, yep. With, uh, which does a 10 foot thing, so between- Is it 10 and 10? 10 bright, 10 dim? Yeah. That's how my yeah. fire shield works. So fire shield, flaming blade, dancing lights. I think we got it covered. I think okay, we'll be okay. Cool. But the question is, can she keep dancing lights up if she's casting other spells? As long as they don't require concentration, yes, you can. Okay, great. So the five of you pick yourselves up off the floor. Lorzach, something immediately is not right. However, you look forward and can see what looks to be a swarm mate being attacked by two giant mortipedes that you know are terrifying just one at a time. And as you pull out various flaming objects to bring light to the bottom of the dead bridge, Xenia demands Frank go rushing into the fray, and you can see these two grotesque, swarming, giant centipede-like creatures gaining the advantage on this young man. Roll initiative. We got 14 initiative. 19. 20. 21. 11. Perix casts Fire Shield on himself, emitting 20 feet of light. Okay. Xenia points Frank in the direction of the gigantic insects. And Lorzach summons a flaming scimitar. Top of the order will be Xenia. Xenia immediately pulls out the big guns and casts Ice Storm right behind these two so that it erupts on both of them. Cool. Please make a dexterity saving throw. A 22 and a 19. You'll that, yep, but... <laughs> I'm so good with words. Nine points of cold damage and five points of bludgeoning damage. Fikara. Uh, bonus action to click my heels. Yep. Run all the way up, and then I will boom boom with my maces. Uh, that will be a 21 and a 12. 21 yes, 12 no. Okay be five piercing. Perix. Uh, I can either try and do a bunch of damage I can try, or I can try to debuff. Where do we think we want to live here? I can make it a lot easier for other people to do damage or I can start to try to do damage. Debuff sounds pretty good right about now. Great. So Perix will run... F- I will allow Lorzach to make an arcana check about mortipedes. Can I do a nature check about mortipedes? Or an animal handling check about mortipedes. I will allow you to make an arcana check to learn about whether or... Uh, you know what? That's a fucking lie. Nature is also, I think, applicable. 23. They seem rather immune to a lot of nasty physical status effects 
and are also damn near impossible to hold on to. Hey, maybe do some damage. (laughs) (laughs) So, Perix will run forward 20 feet and will cast Elemental Bane on the right one from my vantage point, so the one in front of uh, Fakara. Mortipede one. And will they please make a constitution saving throw? An 11. They are now affected for one minute on a concentration spell. Every time they are hit with fire, they will take an additional 2d6 of fire damage. Cool. And it has no resistances to fire if those exist. Great. It is now its turn. It will slink sideways without provoking an attack of opportunity, and it will strike at this thing it's never seen before. Ooh, you look tasty. They don't talk. (laughs) (laughs) That will be a 21. That'll hit. To hit. Actually, sorry, that is an 18 to hit. Uh, I have 18. But I believe believe that still connects. I guess you could call her underground beef. Get out of my show. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't think I I don't even get that one. It took me a second because ground beef. Oh, ha, I know. Christ, <laughs> uh, Brian, on a break, I would like to talk to you about casting in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I think that conversation's had itself. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Um, Sarah. Yes. You will take 18 points of piercing damage as some of these sort of like spike millipede feet come down and stab you. I'm being stabbed with feet? That somehow feels really awful. Also, eight points of poison damage. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw. That'll be a 16. As these pincers kind of stab into you, as they sort of pull out of your flesh, you can see that there might be something secreting off the end of them. Not quite so fun. A A small little wet strand shimmers in the light, but uh, you're not feeling any effects right now. Okay. Lorzach. Lorzach, with a flaming scimitar in hand, closes distance with the mortipedes. As an action, Lorzach will awaken the spores in his body. They erupt from the vents between his armor, and he looks a little healthier. Mortipede number two is going to slink around and continue to attack this unknown person. Looks like it misses. Salorin. Salorin is going to dash to the left of this Golgari warrior. And while he's running, he's going to summon a spiritual weapon. A brilliant golden Morningstar appears behind this Mortipede and smashes into it. A 24 to hit. Hits. 7 force damage. Force. Top of the order, the uh, young person uh, swings and misses as he sort of locked one-on-one with Mortipede number two. Xenia, you are up. Xenia takes her fingers and she balls them up into two little fists and she starts rubbing her knuckles furiously on her earmuffs and forms six tiny sparks, one after the other. She cups two of them, sets her sight on the first Mortipede and like a pitcher, throws Melf's minute meteors at Mortipede number one and then Mortipede number two. Please make two dexterity saving throws. 
Uh, one is a 24, the other one is a 9. Amazing. Sorry, uh, Mortipede number one succeeds, Mortipede number two fails. Mortipede number one will take three points of damage. Mortipede number two will take a full six points of fire damage. Understood. Two extra D6, right? Two extra D6 on that fire damage, if you would. What? So Mortipede number one is currently susceptible to fire because of what Perix did. So oh. if you use fire damage, it takes extra damage. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, two respectable points of fire damage. <laughs> it's a new spell. She's getting used to it. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Figara. Yes, okay. I'm going to slide around, uh, do bardic inspiration on... Thank you. And I will thunder wave on gross millipede thing number one. Okay. And that's a con save. Fails. Cool. So it'll be 2d8 of thunder damage and then gets pushed back 10 feet, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, it'll be six of thunder damage. Okay. Did you say it gets pushed back for that? Yes. 10 feet. Ten feet away from me. I'm such a fan of you. Perix, you're up, buddy. Great. Perix is going to hurt our new little friend here because of the pushback of that Mortipede. Uh, sorry, dude. So uh, Perix um, starts to, to shape his hands around, and this massive ball of boiling hot water grows inside his hands. And he brings it up over his head, and he launches a fireball into the, uh, but reskinned for parrots, uh, into the spot directly between the two Mortipedes, which I believe allows him to hit both of them in a 20-foot radius. Yes, you will also hit the guy that you're helping. Yes. Okay. Will they please make dexterity saving throws? They will all make dexterity saving throws. What is the DC? 17. Uh, the Mortipedes make it. The young man also makes it. Copy that. 17, 17, 18. So they will all take 12 points of fire damage, and additionally, Mortipede 1 will take another 8 points. Uh, did those get halved? No, because the, the half is on the fireball Is itself. on the actual fireball rules. The 2d6 is on the rules of a different ability. Got me. So it'll take an additional 8 points of fire damage. Ruby, got you. Mortipede number one is going to reattach itself to Fakara. Please move it forward ten paces where it will strike her. A 24 to hit. That'll hit. You will take 34 piercing damage. And an additional two poison damage. Would you please make a constitution saving throw? 22. You're fine. Still, you can see something feels like it's just trying to stick something in you, but you seem to be dodging it. Mortipede, uh, Lorzatch. Lorzatch runs up to Mortipede number two and swings with a flaming scimitar and a regular scimitar. Uh, 21 to hit? Yes. And the other one hits as well. Three seasons, but we learned the order of dice operations. We got it. (laughs) That's how it works, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That's nine fire damage. Okay. Ten slashing damage. And seven poison damage. 
Uh, you very quickly realize it's immune to poison damage. Doesn't stop me from dealing it, because it's just the kind of guy he is. Yeah, just giving you the info. <laughs> Mortipede number two, seeing numerous enemies and close in on it, does this terrifying sort of spin curl up into itself as all of its spines. This is how it makes a constitution saving throw. Uh, six. And it takes 10 necrotic damage. 10 necrotic damage. So, as all of these enemies enclose in on it, the Mortipede does this interesting sort of defensive curl, but at the same time, all of its spines and legs running down the length of its body lash out in a radial attack. Will both Saloran, Lorzach, and the strange young man please make dexterity saving throws? You get plus five. 21. 23. The young man also succeeds. You will take half damage equally dispersed among the people in range. And I will roll very high as, as, a, as a compensation for that. You will each take eight slashing damage. Except for Saloran, who raises his shield and protects himself from all the damage. Saloran! Um, Saloran, feeling a little cocky after being able to shrug off that attack, is going to go in with his morning star. Ten. Second one, he channels divinity into a guided strike after the first one misses. Does a 19 hit? Yes. He's going to channel divine smite at a second level spell slot. They are bugs. They're squishy inside. He does eight piercing damage plus ten radiant damage. And he wills his spiritual weapon to take a crack at this thing too. 23. And it does nine force damage. Okay. The DM would like to request that David Quinn keep his dice on the table so he doesn't get a roll and a half every time he takes a turn. <laughs> Top of the order. The young man will make a daring strike, but he looks like he's losing strength. And he will whiff. Sorry, he's not any help. Xenia. Xenia walks forward with a fiery fury. As she does... As a bonus action, she casts a meteor at each of the Mortipedes. Will they both make a dexterity saving throw? Uh, they both rolled exactly 19s. They both take three points of fire damage. Okay. And Mortipede number one takes another six points of fire damage thanks to Perix. Got it. She then looks directly at Mortipede number one and she casts Firebolt. Will a 26 hit? Yeah. That's 18 points of initial fire damage. Okay. And another seven points of fire damage. Got it. Okay, Fikara. Damn, that was a lot of fire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just like zoomed past your head. Yeah. <laughs> like, fire, ah! 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 Fikara's gonna... Yeah, I'm gonna attack twice. Uh, one is a 26, the yep. other is 13. Yes. All oh, right. no, sorry, the 13, no. 13, uh, no. Armor class is 14. Thank okay. you. Okay, so 13, no. Uh, that'll be hmm, six piercing damage, and I'll take action, action surge to do cure wounds in order to hopefully not die. And that'll be five hit points. To return to yourself? Yes. Okay. Perix. 
Perix is now really not able to hit both of them without hurting a whole bunch of his friends, uh, so he's gonna focus on the one that takes a bunch of extra fire damage, and he will run up to the left side of Fakara, and Perix will, uh, instead of summoning another massive ball of fire, he feels the boiling water come up through his hands, and he launches a 15-foot cone of burning hands. Will they please make a dexterity saving throw? 20. Well, I'll take half damage. It just sort of wiggles. <laughs> the roll was 17, so eight points of fire damage plus an additional eight points of fire damage. Alrighty. It's now Mortipede number one's turn. It attacks Perix. I don't have anything cool to say. You hit it. It's coming at you. Bring it. So please move it forward. Perix, you will get attacked for a 27. Yes, I believe that will hit <laughs> Perix. You will take 27 piercing damage. 17 poison damage. Con save, please. Uh, 19. You save. Same thing. You you are Simic. You can tell. Ooh, this thing just tried to secrete something in you. So the fire shield does 2d8 fire damage and therefore an additional 2d6 fire damage. Nice, buddy. Real nice. For 21 points of fire damage on the hit. So you run up to this mortipede and just, ha! <laughs> and boiling water. <laughs> and it rears back to try and counterattack you and smashes right into your fire shield and just, as like fire erupts into its face and it curls up and that really just, oh, oh, thing that gets under my personal bones about when bugs die and they just sort of. That one is defeated. Oh, hell yeah. Lorzetch. Lorzetch swings with a flaming blade and another more regular blade. Is a 24 hit. Yes. We established this already. I don't know why I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) He does eight fire damage. He does six slashing damage. And he does nine poison damage that they're immune to. All right. Still (laughs) up. Zaloran. He's going to go at it again with his morning star and its spiritual weapon. 12 for the first one, which misses. I'm so sorry. It goes in between you. It is going to attack its original target for a very high number. Will it please? Yes. Make a constitution saving throw. An 11. Takes 11 necrotic damage. Okay. So the second mortipede rears up and comes in low under this young man that you've met down here picking him up and curling him around into the mortipede and he disappears inside until you hear this sort of pop and convulse and Lorzach, you know you got it just in time and the mortipede sort of slacks off like rope and the young man sort of peels his way out from the inside and he climbs out of this coiled carapace and sort of wipes this muck off of him and stands to face the five of you, and where you would perhaps expect uh, a thank you, instead, he raises his blade to Lorzatch's throat and demands to know who you are. Who you are.
on the next Encounter Party! Not a single dead body to be found in the Undercity. What our players have found is a young elven man fighting alone in the dark. Could he have some insight into the nightmare underground? Find out next time on Encounter Party! Encounter Party is produced by Play Plus One and Charging Moose Media, based on the worlds of Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, created by Wizards of the Coast. Original campaign written by Brian David Judkins. Sound capture and original effects by Will Malones. Edits and mixing by Ned Donovan and Katie Brow. Theme song and additional music by Alexander Nakarada of Serpent Sound Studios. Additional music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. Special thanks to Megan Judkins and Will Malones. Attention party people! This is Fakara Ordrun of the Boros Legion here to remind you to do your duty for the encounter party. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, rate and review. Check out our Twitter and Instagram. Join us on our Facebook group to interact with all of our characters. And for news and updates, check out EncounterParty.com.